The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you are joining us today for the first time, we are in the midst of our summer sermon series, which is the story of everything. The story of everything is really easy to uh, sum up. It's about one person. That person is Jesus. And so two weeks ago, we began this series and we were looking at what took place in the Garden of Eden. And we talked about Adam and we were challenged, particularly as men, to reject passivity. Because of the sin of passivity and the sin that entered into the world, God had to remove them from the garden. And from that point forward, he began ushering in his redemptive plan for us to bring us back into his presence. That plan is the person of Jesus Christ. And then last week we heard from Dustin as he talked about Joseph and how if no one else ever has had such a bad life, Joseph had everything going wrong when it seemed like it should all be going right. And yet God had an intentional plan for his suffering to bring about God's glory and the perseverance of his plan bringing along redemption. And that was Joseph. And today we're going to jump into uh, a person named Moses. How many of you know who Moses is? Raise your hand. And Moses is extremely popular because there's been a few movies made about this guy's life. Moses had some pretty incredible things happen. So who was he? Where did he come from? How did he show up on the scene? We'll talk about that. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. So if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Somebody will get a Bible for you. We'll be in Exodus 31. It's going to take me a couple of minutes to get there because I want to build a little bit of a backstory as to who this guy Moses is and why are we talking out of Exodus 31. So I'm going to ask a question. How many of you have ever been tired? Anybody here ever been tired? Anybody here ever been completely exhausted simply because... They've been trying to do all of the right things. Anybody here ever been in that place? Anybody ever felt like things just wouldn't go right, even if they tried harder? (laughs) So what we're going to talk about today is the reality that we can rest, that that strife and that striving is accomplished in the person of Jesus. Moses is going to bring the people of Israel to a place of realizing the Sabbath, The Sabbath, that word means rest. That's all that word means. But Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is our completion. We're going to see the foreshadowing. We're going to see the completion. Those things are going to take place in the scripture we look at today. So who was Moses? Well, in the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that the people of Israel are under the oppression of a evil Pharaoh. The Bible would tell us that this Pharaoh did not know Joseph. And these people are being oppressed. And on this, during this time, there is a edict that goes out that says that all of these kids are to be killed, these little boys. Uh, If you're familiar with the Bible, you might recall that there was this guy, his name is Jesus. And uh, Jesus, when he was born, there was a rule given again for all of the little boys, two years and younger, to be killed. But Jesus wasn't killed and neither was Moses. You see, Moses, his mom was like, no, uh uh-uh, it's my boy and that's not going to happen. 
And so Moses' mother fashioned this basket. She covered it in this like tar and pitch. She made it waterproof. And so we see very early that Moses became this baby boat driver. And so he's in this little baby boat and he's cruising along and he's hanging out. And his big sister was told, I want you to watch and make sure he is taken care of. And so here we have Moses just cruising along in his boat, you know, and along comes the Pharaoh's daughter and her servants. They're coming down to the river to bathe and they see this basket and they hear this noise. Little boys are noisy. They're always noisy. So he's there. He's having a good time. He's chilling. His sister is watching. And lo and behold, he runs into the Pharaoh's daughter and she sees him. She picks him up. Moses meaning drawn out. Interesting. He's going to lead the people out of slavery and captivity and bondage of Egypt. The story that we see there is the story that we have as believers today, that Jesus has come and led us out of captivity. The, the Pharaoh's daughter sees him, and he is adorable. I don't know about you, but a little baby boy that's been having a blast is probably one of the most cute things you've ever seen. So he picks him, she picks him up. She's holding him. She's like, this is awesome. I'm keeping this. It's just like when you see somebody get a puppy. That's kind of what I imagine. There's a lot of people here, because I see your Facebook post, that love puppies. Like, I think we could have hundreds of dog children in this church. I mean, we love puppies. And so that's where, where he's at. And then his sister, remember, she's hanging out back here. She's like, why am I doing this? Why am I on babysitting service? I mean, he's in a river, in a basket. Like, I'm really going to save him. I can't fight a crocodile. But the reality is that she is there and she does something that is extremely bold. You see, she steps up to the Pharaoh's daughter and she says, would you like me to get a woman from the Hebrews to nurse this little boy and to care for him? And the Pharaoh's daughter is like, absolutely, that would be fantastic. And so Moses, because of his mother, was placed into a basket and his life was saved. And then his mother was able to nurse him and care for him. That is incredible how God works those things out. It's just fascinating to me. Jesus, rather than dying, was saved and his dad was told to take them away. And imagine this, that in this time where they're at, they're under the Egyptian rule here back with the Israelites. And Jesus goes to Egypt to, to not be killed. Interesting. It's amazing how many parallels are in this story. So Moses grows up in the Pharaoh's palace. He's there. He is royalty in every way. He is treated different than all of his people, but he knows that those people are his people. He knows that what they are suffering, he should be suffering. And at some point, he's finally out there and he's realizing as he's watching that his people are taking more than he can even bear. And so he steps in and he does what we as men often do when we operate outside of the leadership of God. And he takes a taskmaster's life. He kills one of the Egyptian rulers and he buries him in the sand. Very shortly thereafter, it is discovered what he's done. And Moses takes off like a coward in the desert, afraid for his life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of injustice take place in our world today. 
but it's not provoked me to what Moses experienced. And I don't think we, any of us, have a proximity like he had to what was going on in that day. And yet here he is out in the wilderness knowing that his heart was a desire to see his people free, but his action was going to prevent him from doing that. Until this day, while he was being a shepherd, and I have to wonder if God was like, you know, Moses, shepherding, just not your thing. You're not doing a great job. Shepherding, not the gift that I gave you. And so Moses is walking along and there's a bush and it's on fire but it's not burning. How many of you would honestly sit here and say that that would not freak you out completely? <laughs> that would make me incredibly uneasy. Okay, so now we're going to go to the bush, and he's going to approach it. Bush is on fire. Bush is not burning. Bush is talking. <laughs> and so now we have this reality that we absolutely have to realize, I'm going to listen. I have a feeling if you were to encounter the Almighty God as Moses did, your response would be much the same as his was. Uh, no words would be there. And God gave him a command and told him that he was to go back to, to Egypt and that he was, in fact, going to use Moses as his messenger to bring deliverance to his people. God, their deliverer through the person of Moses. God the Father is our deliverer through the person of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, and his resurrection have brought eternal deliverance for us. And we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 31, starting around verse 12. I think we have a slide for that. If not, I'm going to read here. You'll notice I've got a couple of uh, sections here highlighted. We'll read the passage first. God is talking to Moses, and here is what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. You may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. That's pretty harsh. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So we need to pay attention to some things. Now, the Israelites have been set free. They've been led into the desert. Moses has been the key leader here, and they have had all sorts of things happen for them on behalf of them by Almighty God. And they've come to this mountain, and they've been given instruction and that instruction is what we would know today as the law. It was the Ten Commandments. It was instructions on how to build the tabernacle. You see, the people were rescued out of strife. They were working as slaves for the Egyptians. They were doing everything to be exhausted. And such as we are today, all they knew was work, 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 work. And God wanted them to rest. 
And at this juncture where we see this happening in Scripture, we actually have God saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this. You're going to build this tabernacle, and I'm going to dwell in your midst. You see, God, since the day of the Garden of Eden, has desired to dwell in the midst of his people. He is continuously bringing us to a place where he can be in our midst and we can rest in his presence. That is what God's desire for his people here is. But he knows that if they go about it, they'll start doing all of the work and they will forget to rest. How many of us struggle in that same place today? And so he makes it clear, above all, typically that means what? Above all. He also says that they would be put to death. That sounds pretty harsh, right? So if I am the God and ruler of everything, and I make that statement, uh, would we be benefited if we listened? There's another phrase in there that he said. He said that he was sanctifying them. Sanctify here means set apart. So that means that he was saying to these people, I have chosen you as my nation and I have set you apart. My laws, my decrees, my moral code will make you distinct among the nations around you. This is what God has said. How does this apply to us? Where does this fit today? Are we under that Sabbath? Well, first of all, I want to say no. Just so you know that we are not under this Sabbath that we just read about. That command of death if we don't partake. However, we do enjoy Sabbath rest because of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus died and brought that for us. And because of that, uh, through his Holy Spirit, we enter into that rest. See, back then, they had a very ceremonial process in order to enter into that rest. And they had one day. Can you imagine all of your life striving, all of that year working, knowing that you had to do everything perfect for one day? And if you didn't make it, who knows? Jesus has brought that for us any day. Jesus has given us that at any time because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we're going to jump into what Jesus is and has done for us from where we were with what Moses had done in his foreshadowing. So Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. We're moving to the New Testament. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. And Jesus was doing what he typically does, which was disrupting the status quo and irritating the religious leaders of his day. Jesus was never the Pharisees' buddy. And they were upset. They were accusing him of breaking the law. They were telling him that what he was doing was not right. He wasn't setting a good example. Um, but Jesus had some other things to say. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, Mark 2, 23 through 28. And Jesus was uh, going through the grain fields and he made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful, 
for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, and as you see there, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is making a profound statement there. He is deliberately indicating a transition. The Pharisees are reciting an old law under an old covenant. Jesus has brought a new law and a new covenant. In fact, he came to fulfill the law by that covenant. And Jesus is saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I determined this. I have provided this. I am saying that the Sabbath was made for man. They didn't even know what to do with that. Now, Sabbath means rest, and the goal from the Old Testament was that they would have a tabernacle to dwell in the presence of God so that he could be with his people and they with him. And now that's what rest was. And yet we have Jesus here, the person of God himself, in his son, walking in their midst. How much greater opportunity could they have had to participate in the Sabbath? But they were worried about their law. They were worried about keeping the rules. They were worried about work, works, works, works. They weren't even willing to acknowledge Jesus as Lord in spite of what he had done. Would we notice if Jesus was in our midst today? Would we stop what we're doing and recognize that we're in the presence of the Almighty God? I wonder because... That question bears a lot of weight since his word promises that he's here right now today. He's here and he is tabernacling with us by his Holy Spirit. I would just leave that question there. I want us to look at what Jesus has done. I want to look at why Jesus can say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath and why he can make that declaration. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see a tremendous amount of words used to talk about God's rest. We're going to see, as we pick it up in verse 8, where we're at along this process. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Jesus is that Sabbath that is referenced here, that later date is in fact him. He is the Sabbath. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to see why he can say that. And we're going to hear another one of those words. So we've talked a lot about the Sabbath, the Sabbath meeting rest. God said back in Exodus that he was going to use that to sanctify his people. Set them apart. Make them different. We are a peculiar people if we belong to the person of Jesus Christ. So let's listen to what Hebrews says. Behold, I have come to do your will. This is Jesus. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, that will, those words, Jesus's will. It was the will of Jesus, not yours, not mine. It was the will of Jesus to complete this mission of restoration so that we can be in the presence of God, enjoying the power of God in our lives. But Jesus had to make the call. 
been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all means what? Once and for all. Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. If you're out there today and you're struggling and you're fighting and you're wrestling and you're trying to figure out how do I get peace? How can I just rest? How can I just not have to do this? Jesus said it while he was on the cross and he said it for you. He says right here in his word that it was his will and his decision that he would lay down his life on your behalf so that you can lay down your hands and stop working and stop striving and just rest. Starting in verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But Christ had offered for all time. Again, we're seeing the word all used a lot. Above all, now once and for all, all time, a single sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected. How many of you feel perfect right now? Anybody here perfect? If you are perfect, please come up here. I'll give you the mic and I'll have you take over. None of us are perfect. But did you know that when we are willing to receive the gift of Jesus, what he has perfected for all time, for those who are being what? What's that last word? Sanctified. What does sanctified mean? So all of you who are willing to say, here I am, Jesus, I'm tired. I see what you're saying. I understand what you're doing. Please, Jesus is saying, I pick you, and 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 I pick you. You are on my team, and you have been set apart, and you will rest. You will have peace that passes understanding. You will cast your burden on me because my yoke is light, and I will deliver you into the rest of Almighty God. That's what Jesus is saying right here that he has done and he has perfected all of us. When God looks at you, do you know what God sees? Do you think God looks at you and he sees where you're wrestling to keep his law? Do you think when God looks at you, he sees, well, Caleb failed, Caleb sinned, Caleb doesn't love me. Oh, oh. No, when God looks at me, the sun is in his eyes, the sun being the person of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees his son and his shed blood covering you. You are not left to have to perfect anything. It is an amazing revelation to come to that place. What would happen if Christians really began to rest in the completed work of Christ? What would happen if we actually embraced the peace that he says passes understanding? What would happen in our world today if they looked at us and thought, wow, they're odd. They look like us, but they don't seem to struggle. They don't seem to have the same anxiety that I have. Why is that? See, our lives should always be an invitation to understand why we are the way we are. And the way we are should always be different from the world because we've been sanctified. Jesus has covered us with his blood. 
God said in 2 Corinthians 5 that he made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. As people, we need rest. So it's not just about all of this spiritual side. It's also about our physical bodies. We need rest. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. It was clear. In Mark chapter 6, we see that take place. See, Jesus had sent out his disciples. He'd sent out a whole group of people. And he said, this is what you're going to do. And now they're returning. And so there's this little bitty piece in the Bible right between what was happening that was awesome and what was about to happen. Because if you go to that chapter, you're going to discover that this occurs right before Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And in the process of feeding those 5,000 people, his disciples are going to be busy. They're going to have to pick up and work and do physical labor. And they're exhausted. So here we have... What is taking place? Chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Have you ever been completely exhausted so that you become another version of yourself? Anybody here ever been that way? So a couple of weeks ago, I experienced this. I was not following obediently to what I'm telling you about today. We were preparing to move into a new house. I wanted the entire house painted. And so the Friday night before the Saturday morning, or the Friday before the Saturday that we were going to move, I decided I was going to complete the painting whether it killed me or not. Like, I can pull all-nighters. I'm almost 40. I can't pull (laughs) all-nighters. It's just true. I'm that age now. But the reality is I painted for just over 20 hours, taking a couple of breaks. My wife continually said, you know, the painting can wait. But just like we so often do a good, right thing in that rest, we use it as a tool of self-righteousness. We make it into a way for us to judge others. Or we just buy into the lie that busyness equates to something greater. And I was busy, and I could have avoided painting those walls. We could have moved, and I could have been rested. But no, I got up, and I was not the right version of myself. You know who took the brunt of that? My wife. I was growly. I was mean. I was entirely out of step. Because when I don't have adequate rest, I become a different version of myself. And it is not okay, because I know what the Word of God says. And I know what Jesus has done. And I had to go to my wife and ask her forgiveness because I made a mistake of trying to avoid what God was asking me to do. My wife, she was wise. She's like, you should sleep. I was arrogant and said, no, I'm going to paint. I can do it. Self-sustaining, self-sufficient, not relying on God and the good grace of my wife. God reminded me of how foolish it is to resist his rest later that morning. A couple of the folks from uh, LifePoint were there helping me move. And being the brilliant guy that I am, uh, I went to rewire a different plug onto our dryer. Now, typically when you're going to work with electricity, you turn it off beforehand, right? And a dryer has a tendency to use 220. That's a little little bit hotter. Well... I didn't think those thoughts until the loud pop, the singed hair, and the reality that the power was still on. You see, I'd only slept for about three hours. And because of that, I was weary. 
And because I didn't listen to my wife and I didn't ultimately listen to the Lord, I nearly hurt myself very badly. God had mercy on me in that place. God knows that we need rest. So I would ask you today, where in your life are you resisting? Where are you struggling? Are you weary from doing good? Are you exhausted with life in general? Jesus restores and refreshes us, but we have to come into his presence. We can have a peace that the world thinks is peculiar, but not without entering his rest. So I would ask you today, I'm going to read a story here as I conclude, and I'm going to ask you today, as you go out from here, search yourself. Search your heart and say, God, where am I striving and I don't have to? Where am I going on the go 24-7? Go, 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 go. It's not bringing God glory. It's not edifying you. It's not benefiting others. The society we live in is not going to get less busy. But we must learn, especially as followers of Jesus, to stop and to rest in what He has done. This story is a story of Mary and Martha. As you listen to it, I wonder if you'll notice who you relate to more. And I wonder if you'll wrestle that question out. Where do I need to rest? Will I sit at Jesus' feet in fellowship? Or will I miss it because I'm busy? In Luke chapter 10, we see this account. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That is a beautiful sentence. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, went up to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? How dare she? Tell her then to help me. Jesus, make her get up. That's what Martha's saying. But the Lord answered her. Jesus is so gracious. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. How hard must have that landed on Martha? How much will you let that land on you today? Will you choose Jesus? Will you choose to stop and say, now is when I need to obey? The busy can wait. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you today for the gift of Jesus. Lord, knowing that because of his sacrifice, because of his will, choosing, as he said, I lay my life down and I can take it up again, but I choose to follow the Lord, my God. Because of that, we don't have to perform a ceremony. We don't have to participate in rituals. All we have to do is say, yes, Jesus, here I am. Please give me your rest, your Sabbath rest. Lord, I pray for the hearts that are here today that you would wrestle with them and not let them win until they understand how glorious that rest can be. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. 
LifePoint Church exists to engage, encourage, and equip through the gospel for the glory of God. Therefore, it is our prayer that the word of God would be an encouragement to your heart and lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at thelifepointconnection.com slash give. May God bless and may your life point to Christ everywhere in every way.